It's Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the history and future of making music out of DNA sequences, particle vibrations, and more. Plus, a new study indicates that cats recognize the names of their cat friends and their human roommates. They're just ignoring you because they want to, not because they don't understand. And Alamo Drafthouse is hitting the road for their 25th anniversary. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Making art out of data is hot right now. Data visualizations especially, you know, beautifully designed charts and graphs illustrating interesting data that might otherwise be passed over. But what about the audio side of things? What about turning data into music? It's a small but varied practice that scientists have been exploring in different independent ways for at least five decades now, and Sophia Quaglia recently did a rundown of some of those standout examples in Smithsonian Magazine. So one of the earliest public examples of this was a cassette tape produced in the early 80s called DNA Suite, made by biomolecular engineer and pianist David Diemer, along with a handful of colleagues. Diemer got the idea when he noticed that three of the four bases of DNA— A, G, and C correspond with music notes. If the fourth bass, T, were given the note E, then you could play quite a few common chords with the DNA notes. DNA Suite was thus created using the human insulin gene and some bacterial DNA sequences. And this is how a lot of science turned into music works, assigning notes to strings of data. Back in the 70s, geneticists assigned musical pitches to the 22 amino acids to help them parse the long strands of DNA code that they were comparing. More recently, medical molecular biologist Mark Temple from Australia assigned notes to different elements of DNA to help him spot patterns in readouts of chemical sequences from experiments he was running. As a musician and a bit of an audio learner, he says this made it easier to spot patterns than simply running his eyes over a long readout of repeating visual sequences. Other times, the music comes from using vibrational frequencies or interpretations of vibrational frequencies, like the spiderweb construction that was turned to music a few years back. And while a lot of the creations are simply just cool, they all have some level of scientific relevance, some more so than others, like Mark Temple's functional use of turning long readouts of data into music in order to better spot outliers. He told Smithsonian that a similar method was used in one study to diagnose cardiac diseases by sonifying electrocardiography signals. In that case, researchers spotted anomalies with 78% accuracy. While Temple's projects started functionally, he has since branched out more recreationally and started adding layers of other instruments to the main notes that he assigns to nucleotides. When he adds in more typical musical elements, Temple refers to this as musification as opposed to sonification, the term usually applied to creating audio from scientific data. For example, here is a musification he produced of the coronavirus spike protein with some backing instrumentals from his friends. Thank you. 
But even when it's not a direct sonification or not being used directly for research purposes, sonification or musification can help spread enthusiasm for science and has been used for educational purposes. For example, University of Exeter biochemist Linda Long uses sonification to teach young people about the human body. She's produced a number of albums over the years and also ran an interactive exhibit for 12 years at a UK science center. Quoting Smithsonian, Long assigns sounds to proteins, what's transcribed from the DNA, according to their shape. She uses a technique called X-ray crystallography, in which a protein is literally crystallized and then X-rayed to see its structure in fine detail. This process produces strings of numbers representing the three-dimensional structure of the protein molecule. By passing these numbers through a computer program, she converts them into a sequence of musical notes, so you can actually hear the shapes of the proteins, Long explains. The helices in the protein shapes, for example, can be heard as arpeggios, notes of a chord played in a sequence, end quote. Here's an excerpt from Long's Inner Cycles track from her album Music of the Body. This one is based on the progesterone receptor protein. And then, on a whole other level, there's MIT materials engineer Marcus Bueller from the team that sonified the spider web I mentioned earlier, and which I also covered more deeply on a previous episode. Bueller's team has also sonified the vibrations of a flame in the past, but now Bueller is trying to go the other way, creating proteins out of music. I can barely wrap my head around this, so let me just quote from the Smithsonian and then Bueller's own explanation, and you can take from it what you will. So, first from Smithsonian, quote, He recently converted a variation of Bach's Goldberg into new proteins. He says he can go as far as turning a protein into music and then through music, maybe by adding a riff here and there, improve the protein to be a better variation of itself. On an evolutionary level, he wonders who knows where these fit. Maybe his system could create a protein which turns out to be a substitute for meat or a protein from which it's possible to synthesize a new drug. Now, for example, Bueller is searching for a protein to extend the shelf life of perishable food. Bueller believes that since creativity has led to such complex varieties of music over the years, from classical to techno, maybe this creativity could be translated from an immaterial, pleasant experience to scientific knowledge to make something physical, as if in those complex melodies there are hidden formulas to create new materials." End quote. And from Bueller, quote, Architected biomaterials, as well as sound and music, are constructed from smart building blocks that are assembled across time and length scales. Here, we present a novel, deep learning-enabled integrated algorithmic workflow to merge the two concepts for radical discovery of de novo protein materials, exploiting musical creativity as the foundation, and extrapolating it through a recursive method to increase protein complexity by successfully injecting protein chemistry into the process. Earlier work has offered a pathway to convert proteins into sound and sound into proteins. Here, we build on this paradigm and translate a piece of classical music into matter. Based on Bach's Goldberg variations, we offer a series of case studies to convert the musical data imagined by the composer into protein design and fold it into a 3D structure using deep learning. Using basic local alignment search tool analysis, we find that several fragments of the new proteins display similarities to existing protein sequences 
is found in proteobacteria, among other organisms, especially in regions of low complexity and repetitive motifs. The resulting protein forms the basis for iterative musical composition and an evolutionary paradigm that defines a variational pathway for melodic development, complementing conventional creative or mathematical methods." End quote. Yeah, it's a lot, and beyond my reasonable comprehension, but not beyond Bueller's or beyond his imagination, which I think is the important bit here. You know, sometimes the more you know, the more imaginative and creative you can actually be. These scientists who are able to fuse art into their work are the ones who are going to come up with so many future technologies that aren't even imaginable to the rest of us right now. Or maybe they're just going to create some supremely weird art, but I am absolutely here for that as well. And I will leave you with one last finding from the Smithsonian Magazine piece, which is a company founded by composer Stuart Mitchell that creates a unique song based on your DNA or on that of someone you want to gift it to. Using Ancestry.com, 23andMe, or a local DNA test kit, you can submit your DNA to the company and then pick a genre of music, and they will then process the raw music file based on your DNA and add a bit of instrumentation to match the genre you selected. It'll run you a few hundred British pounds, but for the right person, it is a pretty priceless gift. I mean, a song created from your own DNA doesn't get more personalized than that. Anyone who's seen Cats the Musical, or had an enthusiastic friend repeatedly explain it to you after you fell asleep watching it, knows cats have three different names. According to Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot, the book of poetry that the musical is based on, all cats have a name that their human family calls them daily, a second name that's peculiar and more dignified, and finally, they have a secret name that humans can never know. And according to new research out of Kyoto University, cats do indeed recognize both their own and each other's names, to the point that they get confused if they or another cat are referred to by the wrong name by a human. Quoting Science Alert, in experiments, researchers studied cats who lived in multi-cat dwellings, being either domestic cats who lived with other felines in a multi-cat household, or cats who lived in cat cafes in Japan, where visitors can interact with the numerous cats who live at the establishment. In the tests, the researchers would present a cat with an image of a familiar cat from the same household or cafe, called the model cat, showing the cat's photograph on a computer screen. While the image was displayed, a recording of the owner's voice would say the name of the model cat aloud, called the congruent condition, or say a different name, the incongruent condition. What the team found was that cats from domestic households spent longer staring at the computer screen during the incongruent condition, perhaps because they were puzzled or intrigued by the mismatch of the model cat's image and name. However, cats from the cat cafe didn't show the same delay at the computer during the experiments, maybe because they lived in dwellings with numerous other cats, not just a few, and were perhaps less familiar with the chosen model cat and its name as a result. End quote. The going theory from the researchers is that cats are picking up on these names through overhearing their humans say them, and since the cat cafe dwellers are interacting with a steady stream of human strangers and dozens of different cats, they don't get a chance to learn their cat friends' names as readily. 
What's more, another experiment showed that cats also recognize the names of humans that they live with, though the results were stronger for houses either with more people or in which the cat had been living there for quite a while. Of course, the study was a pretty small sample comprised of just 48 cats, or perhaps 47 because the paper notes that one cat ran away halfway through the first trial and climbed out of reach of the researchers. So further research with larger samples is certainly needed, and while the measure of time spent staring at the photos does seem like some form of recognition or confusion, there is a lot more that could be studied in the future about the social learning of cats. Even still, the researchers were pleased with their findings, quoting Vice. Animal science researcher Saho Takagi told Japanese news outlet the Asahi Shimbun that the findings are astonishing. Even though cats seem to ignore people calling their names because they don't understand us, it turns out they're probably just being rude. Said Takagi, I want people to know the truth. Felines do not appear to listen to people's conversations, but as a matter of fact, they do. End quote. And Vice also notes that this study may mean if you regularly call your cat a nickname instead of their proper name, then your cat might mistakenly think their name or your other cat's name is that nickname. So maybe watch what you're calling them. No word yet on how well cats recognize each other's secretive third names. T.S. Eliot did not respond for comment from Beyond the Grave at the time of recording. Well, if you are in the U.S. and starting to plan out fun outdoor activities for the summer, Alamo Draft House has got you covered. The Austin, Texas company, which has expanded across the nation in recent years, is celebrating their 25th anniversary with a rolling roadshow, bringing outdoor movies to cities across the country. They're kicking things off in their birthplace of Austin with a screening of Raising Arizona, apparently the first movie they ever screened a quarter of a century ago. And in addition to the movie, there will be food and brews from local vendors, a disc golf tournament, other surprises, and a live concert from the band The Octopus Project, who I had no idea was still making music or performing together. Rad. Over in Los Angeles, Alamo Drafthouse's Rolling Roadshow will be hosting one of the first screenings of Jordan Peele's Nope. The screening, in line with the movie's theme, will be on an actual horse ranch, and folks will have the chance to ride horses and take a cowboy lesson, whatever that means. New York City will also be treated to a screening of Raising Arizona, along with a chance to make your own Alamo Drafthouse anniversary poster on a 1938 Vandercook letterpress because New York. Subsequent events will also be held in Chicago, St. Louis, and Washington, D.C., but details about those screenings are still forthcoming. Rest assured, based on the other events, it will be a pretty awesome time. And at least in Austin, but probably at all of them, this is all completely free. You just have to RSVP, but slots will probably go pretty fast, so I would keep an eye on Alamo Drafthouse's social media if you're interested. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.